I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this evening to Genesis 27. We'll read the first 40 verses of Genesis 27, and then we'll turn in our Heidelberg Catechisms to Lord's Day 43. First, we'll give our attention to the reading of God's Word, Genesis 27, the first 40 verses. Reading God's Word under the heading of living for God, that's the ninth commandment. Honoring human reputation from Genesis 27. Genesis 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could no longer see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old, and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, and that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening, and when Isaac spoke to his son Esau, and so when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat of it, and to bless you before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to him to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. So he went and he took them and he brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house. And she put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and the smooth parts of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. And so he went into his father. And he said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you have told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him, because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. And so he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he he answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. 
May God give to you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and the plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I'm your, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. And yes, he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him Lord over you and all his brothers. I have given to him, I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Here ends the reading of God's Word this evening. May He bless it to us with a believing heart. And then we'll turn now in our forms and prayers to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 43, which can be found on page number 250 in the forms and prayers book in the pew in front of you. Lord's Day 43, what is God's will for you in the ninth commandment to which we respond together? That I never give false testimony against anyone. Twist no one's words, not gossip or slander, nor join in condemning anyone rashly or without a hearing. Rather, I should avoid under penalty of God's wrath every kind of lying and deceit as the very works of the devil. And in court and everywhere else, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it, and I should do whatever I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation. Blessed congregation, whatever God calls you to in this life, He has provided a way for you to faithfully serve Him without sin. Allow me to say this again. 
whatever God calls you to in this life, He has provided a way for you to faithfully serve Him without sin. I remember one time as a young man discussing with my father the shady practices of some businessmen. And I made the offhanded comment, well, that's what people have to do to get ahead in this world. My father quickly rebuked me and reminded me, God blesses obedience. He never blesses disobedience. But have you ever thought like I thought back then? That we have to get ahead by cheating. We have to get ahead of this world that's working against us by lying, by doing whatever we have to do to get what God wants us to have. There's a famous saying, I'm sure you're familiar with it, God helps those who help themselves. And unfortunately, many people know that God has a plan, God has a plan for our lives. And we might seek to advance His plan. We might seek to advance His plan along at the expense of righteousness. We think, well, my daughter shouldn't be dating Him anyways. So what's the big deal if I talk down His family a little bit? It's God's will to provide for my wife and for my children. So what if I skew the truth to get the sale? It's God's will that I get this degree or get this sermon done. So what's a little plagiarism? See, in today's world, it's easy to convince ourselves that the truth is irrelevant so long as it accomplishes God's purposes. See, in Genesis 27, we get a detailed look at an entire family living this way. You see, Isaac knows the oracle of God. Remember, if you flip back two chapters to Genesis 25, verse 23, what did God say about those two twins living in Rebekah's womb? He prophesied that the older would serve the younger. And yet here in this story, we see Isaac seeking to thwart the plan of God by blessing Esau. And then Esau, upon hearing his father's plan, even though he made an oath to Jacob that Jacob is the firstborn, he is the inheritor of all the blessings, he quickly breaks his oath and runs into the field in order to get his father's blessing. And then Rebekah, upon hearing this wicked plan, rather than being the helpmeet that Isaac needs in the weakness of his faith, concocts a scheme to deceive her husband. And Jacob... The deceiver goes about receiving the blessing that was his by faith, by way of deception. A whole family pursuing the plan of God by their own means. And the dominating sin here, we'll see many throughout our study of these first 40 verses, is the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness. Boys and girls, have you ever heard the rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? This story shows us that that's not true. Lies hurt people 
deeply. In fact, lies are the wounds that go the deepest. And in this story, we'll see that Isaac, Esau, Rebekah, and Jacob all want the blessing. But in their deceiving, and in their oath-breaking, and in their lying, what they do is they end up destroying their family's relationship. But what I want you to see in our time together this evening is that God gives us the ninth commandment to protect us. This is a commandment of protection. Because Satan wants to use lies to destroy your marriage. He wants to use lies to destroy your property, your life, your honor, your reputation. But God wants us to be filled with the truth. And in so being filled with the truth, being filled with the Gospel, we protect others and their reputation. And we protect our families. What I want you to see is three points together in our time together this evening. The deception, the deceiver, and the deceived. Notice first, deception. And I want to draw your attention in these first few verses to whom this deception is taking place. This famous story of lying and deceiving and oath-breaking does not take place in the Gentile camps of Shechem. Nor does it take place in the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. This story takes place in Isaac's tent. In the covenant community, in God's church, so to speak. And if we pull back the flaps of this tent, what we see is that there is lying even in the household of faith. Remember, Isaac is the son of the promise, the son of Abraham. But in verse 1, we come to Isaac and he is an old man. We think by counting up the years in the book of Genesis, in verse 1, he's likely around 136 years old. We know that he'll live for four more years, but he thinks in verse 1 that he is near the day of his death. And so he brings Esau into his presence and says, Behold, I am old. I don't know the day of my death. Verse 2. And he wants to bless Esau before he dies. Now what is this blessing? I don't think it's just a prayer here. But this blessing seems to be a bestowal of position by way of promise. One commentator likes it to marriage. Likens it to marriage. It's not that in marriage you receive something physically when you say, I do. But you move from one status to another. You go from single to married. Think of it another way like this. In ordination, there is a bestowal of blessing. You go, when somebody ordains you, you go from a lay person to a deacon. From a lay person to an elder or to a minister. And so Isaac, in wanting to bless Esau, wants to bestow upon him a promise that he would be the heir of the covenant. But I want, what I want to suggest to you this evening is that though Isaac is a patriarch, and that though he has an authentic faith, and you go throughout the book of Genesis, he walks by faith. What I want to suggest to you is that in these first few verses, what we're seeing from Isaac 
as a failure of faith. Flip back to Genesis 25. He is well aware of the fight between Jacob and Esau in the womb. Verse 23, I think it's doubtless that Rachel would have told him the promise, the older shall serve the younger. Verse 23 of chapter 25. If you go to Genesis 26, you'll see verses 34 and 45, 30, 34 and 35. It says, when Esau was four, 40 years old, he took Judith, the, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemath, the daughter of Eli, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Esau is living in the way of disobedience. He's not pursuing God's covenant promise. He's not pursuing the righteous life. And Isaac, against the backdrop of all of this, says, I prefer to give the blessing to Esau. I think it's a failure of faith. And if it wasn't a failure of faith, why does this need to be done in secret? Why can't Rebecca know about it? Why can't Jacob know about it? Why does it just need to be Isaac and Esau? See, the first application I want to draw to your attention this evening from this passage is, dads, we need to take full account of our responsibility in the family. Yes, they were all sinners. There's no winners in this story, but Isaac is chief. When Isaac sinned, Esau immediately breaks oath with Jacob. When Isaac sins, Rebekah concocts a scheme to deceive him and Jacob goes along with it. We all know this by experience. Lying begets more lying. Lies produce more lies. We tell one white lie and then we have to say another lie to cover it up. And then we get caught in that lie so we bring out another lie to cover that one up. And before we know it, we feel like Esau when our whole lives and our whole families are caught up in a web of lies. You see, Isaac, I think, is struggling in his faith here. But the real leading figure of this story is Rebecca. And ladies, I want you to see this. Notice that Rebecca had the best of intentions for Jacob. She wants her elect son to receive the blessing of God. That's a good thing. She wants her son, Jacob, not to go after the way of her brother and to marry a godly woman. That's a good thing. In a twisted way, she is embracing the promise of Genesis 25, the older shall serve the younger, but she's going about it in completely the wrong way. See, what Rebecca needed to do is trust God. And so do we. Congregation, when God says something, it's a guarantee. His promises are ironclad. And even if we are on the one yard line of faith, so to speak, and defeat seems eminent, we need to put our trust in, thus saith the Lord. If he has said it, he will do it. This is what we call the immutability of God. That when he has said something, it will never be changed. 
His promises will never be changed. His promise to you of salvation, His promise of grace, His promise of mercy is sure, and His promise to Rebekah was sure. And God had promised her that Jacob was the elect. And even though he was second in order, he would be regarded as the firstborn and receive the blessing. All she needed to do was trust him. That's it. And something that occurred to me while I was studying this passage is, you know, lying really is the opposite of trusting. When we lie, what we demonstrate is that we don't believe God's Word is true. Remember, He has made so many promises to us. He has promised that He will guide, He will protect, He will provide, He will fulfill, He will, he will answer. And what Jacob is doing, what Jacob is showing us when he joined his mother in lying, is he's not content to wait. He's not content to trust that God is faithful. He has to do it himself. Just like Abraham did with Hagar. And so the catechism makes a special connection. Did you notice this when we were reciting it? Between lying and the works of the devil. Every kind of lying and deceit as the very work of the devil himself, it says in question 102. Remember that the Bible says of Satan, John 8, verse 44, he is the father of lies. Satan is not able to steal. Satan is not able to kill. Remember the book of Job. What Satan can do is lie. And Satan twists the truth. It's the first sin of the Bible. Genesis 3, verse 2, did God really say... And when we lie, when we deceive, we are participating in Satan's propaganda. So Jacob, when confronted with the opportunity to lie, the catechism says, we avoid it. He should have avoided it. When we're we're presented with the opportunity to lie, we need to repel it. We need to resist the sin of twisting the truth, of plagiarism, of fudging on our taxes, whatever it may be. In short, we need to fear God and trust Him at His Word. This is a reminder, especially boys and girls. We gave an application for dads. We gave an application for moms. But boys and girls, here's an application for you. Remember that all those whom God has placed in authority are not perfect. Parents fail. Governments fail. Bosses fail. And even if they have the right goals and ambitions, when they ask you to break the commandments of God, the answer must always be no. We must obey God rather than men. And remember, But this is the way that Satan is ruling the world. Ruining the world, I should say. Christ rules. Satan ruins by way of lies. The lies are what attack this family. And we'll see that in our second point, the deception. 
Now, if you were to ask me, Pastor Jacob, who's your favorite Bible character? Well, shouldn't the answer be obvious? It's Jacob. And his name, unfortunately, for me, means deceiver or twister to the truth. To which I say, thanks a lot, Mom and Dad. But in this story, Jacob really lives up to his name. Jacob is described as a smooth man, physically. Esau is a hairy man. And to fix this, Rebekah goes and takes Esau's best robe, and she puts it on him to give him Esau's smell. And she fashions goat skins to her hands, his hands and his neck, to make him feel hairy. Now, I know we're very familiar with this story, but just imagine what this would have looked like. How absurd Jacob must have looked standing there in an oversized robe with goat skin glued onto his flesh, holding that bowl of delicious food. But this is the nature of the story. It is ridiculous because lying begets more lying. And he goes into his presence, Isaac's presence, his father. And he lives up to his name. Three times he lies. Who are you, my son? I am Esau, your firstborn. That's a lie of deception. How is it that you have found the game so quickly? Verse 20, because the Lord your God granted me success. Now this is a lie that includes blasphemy. The third commandment. And then third, after Isaac is still doubting that this is really his son Esau, he says, are you really my son Esau? In verse 24, he says, I am three different times. Did you notice in the narrative how many times Isaac says, my son, my son, my son, my son. And Jacob every time says, I am, I am, I am. Twisting the truth. Deceiving. And you know what's interesting about this character, Jacob, is his whole life is going to be lived by this theme. Rather than feed his starving brother, he'll swindle his birthright from him in Genesis 25. He'll deceive his uncle Laban and sneak off in the middle of his night with his daughters and grandchildren. He will forget God's promises at Bethel. He will marry his daughter to a heathen. And then his sons will then trick that family and murder them. His ten sons will sell Joseph into slavery and lie saying he was eaten by a wild beast. Put it this way, if your daughter comes home with a Jacob, send him packing. And yes, I get the irony. But his whole life is going to be dominated by this theme of being the deceiver, the twister. His heart is full of lies. And I want you to notice something this evening. Why does Jacob do what he does? Why is he a liar? Why is he a deceiver? Why is he a trickster? I want you to notice that the problem this evening is not with his parents. He had perfect covenant parents. Well, not perfect, but you know what I mean. As perfect as life can get. He was raised in the culture of a God-centered, Bible-centered, Christ-centered culture. He's not worldly. The problem with Jacob is his heart. 
He has the same problem you and I have. He's a sinner. And whether we like it or not, we are all tempted to the sin of the ninth commandment. And this evening, we may be more like Jacob than we care to admit. See, we may not glue goatskin to our flesh to deceive someone. We may not go into our father and three times lie to our aged father. But the catechism brings out four different sins we are all tempted to every day. Notice in question 112 that I never give false testimony against everyone, anyone. That is when we say something about someone that is blatantly not true. That's the first thing we're tempted to in the ninth commandment. Secondly, that we twist no, one, no one's words. See, God forbids that we not to, that we when we tell a story, we make ourselves to be the hero and the other person to be a fool. Or when we emphasize the one rude thing someone said to us, but we don't emphasize the many hurtful things we said to someone else. That's twisting someone's word. What about the third one? This is convicting that we do not gossip or slander. Gossip is when we pass along information that cannot be substantiated or when we say something true that someone else shouldn't know. Let me say this again, because this may be the Achilles heel of the church. Satan and his demons have done so much damage to various churches throughout the ages by way of gossip. Gossip is when we pass along information that cannot be substantiated, or when we say something true that someone else shouldn't know. Many people are hurt because we pass along things that we do not know. And we pass along things that they don't need to know. And you see, slander goes a step farther. That's the deliberate passing along of something that is false. And allow me to include here, I think this is in the ninth commandment. When we assume the worst possible motives of someone, that is also slander. When we receive a text and we don't know how to interpret it, and we say, it must be that they hate my guts. That's also bearing false witness, folks. When we don't know how to interpret what somebody said through so-and-so, and we assume it's the worst possible thing, that's also slander. Refusing to give people the benefit of the doubt is also bearing false witness. And then fourth, the catechism says, we should not condemn anyone rashly without a hearing. Do we hear sometimes a juicy fact and condemn them without speaking to them personally? Catechism says, may that not be done among us. By way of personal application, I grew up in what I like to call, you maybe have heard me say this before, the dawn of the social media age. As a young boy, I grew up and Facebook was becoming popular and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. And so all of a sudden, all of these young people were given unlimited access to other people's personal lives. And I have seen all of these four things done to people online 
giving false testimony, twisting people's words, gossip and slander, and condemnation without a hearing. And that degree of separation of commenting on someone's life through a screen without any accountability has become a dangerous thing. And I just want to tell you that I have seen some people's lives seemingly destroyed by these things. Sticks and stones break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Try telling that to someone raised in the 20th century, in the 21st century. The Scriptures say that a good name is to be chosen above great riches. That our reputations matter to us, and they matter to our children, and they matter to God. And when God gives us the ninth commandment, He is actually saying protect the reputation of other people. See, we may not be a deceiver like Jacob, but this is very convicting to me. Because lying is so easy. So how do we stop it? We're all tempted to it. It's torn apart probably some of our lives. It's torn apart many of our churches. How do we stop it? The Bible says, it gives us a resounding answer here. May there be no mistake that you must be filled with the truth not filled with lies. Be filled with the truth. Psalm 19, verse 163, I hate and detest what is false, but I love your law, says the psalmist. Paul says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. James, in his famous chapter on the tongue, says lying, jealousy, selfish ambition are demonic, but the wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. We need to be lovers of the truth. Not ashamed of the truth. Openly acknowledging and embracing the truth. And despise lies that tear down and ruin this world. And you see, the effects of lying run so deep. That's our third point, the deceived. See, Isaac, after listening to Jacob's voice, tasting his game, feeling his goatskin-covered hands, smelling his garment, and even receiving a kiss, it says he blesses Jacob. Now, lest we miss the significance of this blessing in our modern age, this blessing secured to the person who possessed it, First, a superior rank in the family. Second, a double portion of the inheritance. Third, the priestly office. And fourth, the promise of the seed which of, through which the whole nations were to be blessed. That's what Isaac says to Jacob in verses 27 through 29. And he doesn't leave anything for Jacob. He gives him the whole blessing. And as Jacob is leaving, Esau is entering, and this is the moment that the family is wrecked on the shores of sin. Rebekah comes to Jacob and says, your brother is angry, run. And he flees to Mesopotamia for 20 years. And she never sees her son again. She dies before Jacob returns. Esau would be filled with rage and estranged from his brother for years. 
Isaac trembles greatly. See, lying in many ways can be the very thing that destroyed this family's relationship. And so it is with us. Lying can tear us apart. And can wreck our churches, our families, and even our names. But this story is not a story that ends without hope. I believe this story to be one where God shows us how He can work all things together for good. Before we conclude this evening, I want us to turn together in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. As a young man, I read this chapter many different times. But there was one verse that always stuck out to me. Verse 20. When it's talking about the patriarchs, and it says, by faith, Hebrews 11 verse 20, by faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Well, hold on a minute. I thought Isaac was deceived. I thought Jacob had tricked his lying aged father. How is it that a blind tricked man blesses by faith. You see the problem? Well, the Puritan writer John Brown says, and I believe him to be right, that when Isaac lied, or excuse me, when Isaac blessed Jacob in his lying, that God revealed to Isaac about the future of his descendants. And that Isaac, on his own accord, would have blessed Esau, forgetting God's promises that before the children were born, God had promised that the older would serve the younger. But when Isaac trembled exceedingly in Genesis 27, it was not that he trembled from shock, John Brown says. It wasn't that he trembled because of anger, John says. He trembled because his faith was revived. He trembled because he realized that God was faithful even when he was faithless. And so when Esau came to him, and it says in Hebrews 12, verse 17, sought the blessings with, blessing with tears. What did Isaac say? I have blessed him and he will be blessed. Isaac's faith was weak, but God's will was able to prevail through Him. And so it is with us, congregation. We live in a world of lies. We live in a world of lying. And we, in our own lies and our own stupidities, sometimes think that we're advancing the plan of God when we're not. And sometimes we think we are thwarting the plan of God. And we're not. Even when Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob fought against his will, this is a story that his plan prevailed. Yes, it's a story about the consequences of lying. But it is also a reminder that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. God loves the truth. His truth is ironclad. When He makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. And so should we as His people love the truth. Let us wait for it patiently. 
let us hold fast to his promises and know that he will fulfill them all. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks that even though there was a great deception in this story, and that there was a deceiver who went to great lengths to cover himself in the robes of his brother and the flesh of a goat in order to steal the blessing of God, we know that the blessing was not stolen. But that even before eternity began, you have told us in the book of Romans, you chose Jacob. And even though it was sinful, and even though it was wrong, you can cause even lying to work together for good. Oh, what a privilege it is to know that even though we are deceivers and deceived ourselves, Father, You are good. I pray for my brothers and sisters today who have been hurt and maybe their families feel much like the family of Isaac and his children and Rebecca. Lord, remind us that You will restore all things, that truth is Yours to give, and truth will reign forever. And we look forward to that day when you will restore all things through Jesus Christ our Savior, in whose name we are bold to pray. Amen.